Hey, what's up, everybody? This is an open discussion with C3 Films. My name is Chris, and this is... Cheryl. And today, we're going to be talking about The Woman in the Window. It's the Netflix film that just came out, so if you haven't, gone, if you haven't seen it, make sure you go and watch it, because we will be getting into spoiler territory in this film. Excuse me, in during this talk. So, while we're at it, um, let's go ahead and just, uh, without further ado, let's get right into it. And we were just talking a little bit on stream, Cheryl, about how when I first came into this movie, I didn't know anything about it because um, we had a little mix up on uh, dates for a movie that we were supposed to talk about instead. And so we ended up talking about this. But when we started it, um, as soon as I started the movie, I immediately thought to myself, oh, this is basically Rear Window. Okay, so this movie is just kind of doing the same type of premise. And then the opening like clip shows on her screen the movie rear window so i was like okay at least the movie knows what it's paying what is what it's doing so they're not trying to hide it so after that i was like okay i can be i can be on board with this film as opposed to like thinking looking at it and just being like oh this is just like rear window or it's just like secret window with johnny depp um so all these or movies disturbia in the title disturbia is also basically a poorer version of rear window <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but, um, yeah, like, going in, uh, the movie is kind of framed as kind of, like, a mystery is kind of the way that I was approaching it when I was watching it. You get these little hints and, like, these bits and pieces that will come back later. We call them, like, you know, like, different checkoffs of guns throughout, like, the entire movie. Um... So, like, when I was enjoying it, it was because of these kind of mystery elements and trying to pick out the pieces to figure out what's happening, um, which, you know, can be really can be really cool. But what, what were your thoughts on, on the film and how uh, you approached it? Yeah, honestly, so I, I had to watch it twice because um, the first time I watched it, I watched it just, you know, casually. And then we found out that we couldn't do... Um, Army of the Dead, so we ended up um, deciding to watch this, so I watched it again, and my second time watching it, I was like, how did I not see um, all the all the clues and stuff like that, that that I would have gotten if I had paid more attention to um, the color theory, like if I had known how well-versed the people that made this movie were with Hitchcock films, I feel like I would have come at it with a, a very different um, a view of it. Um, the thing is, when I when I started watching the movie the first time, I was like, oh, great, it's going to be another Disturbia. It's going to be another, like, copycat of Rear Window. It's not going to be that good. Um, and then the more I watched it, the more I was like, whoever made this movie is a Hitchcock fan. <laughs> And they did pretty right by him, by uh, with with what they did in this movie. And so I'm actually very excited about this movie, and I'm gonna tell everyone to watch it. Um, I think it might be a little bit hard to appreciate the film as much as I did because I'm such a big Hitchcock film, and I see like so many things that like Hitchcock would have had. Like it's a big homage. It's like a love letter almost to Hitchcock, um, and it's it's great, yeah. <laughs> but like, I definitely want to go into color theory a little bit. Um, 
I, uh, I feel like it's going to be a longer conversation, but there, there were a lot of little motifs in there. Um, like the, uh, what's her name? Julianne Moore, um, tells Amy Adams to drink brandy and brandy is a big Hitchcock motif. Um, so are stupid cops. <laughs> And there's, like, a story behind that. Um, and, like, the cops weren't really that stupid, but they were also kind of, like, not giving um, her, like, any, you know, credit for what she's trying to say. And they just, like, blow her off. And that's also a very Hitchcock thing. Um, and also the stairs. The stairs is a huge thing. He loved having staircases in his movies. It had a lot of different symbolisms um, for different movies. Um, but it was like a four-story building, right? And they had like a, a bird's eye view. That's right out of Vertigo. And um, the, the whole thing with the colors, also right out of Vertigo. So it's not just Rear Window. It's, um, it's Psycho. It's uh, vertigo and I you know I, I feel like there's a little bit of a, a mix with uh, the lady vanishes which is not a very well-known uh, Hitchcock film for like this day and age I, I'm not sure if you ever heard of it but um, that one was also remade in a different way but we'll not get into all of that because I can talk forever about Hitchcock so um, let me give you a chance to speak <laughs> and then I'll talk about oh. color theory later <laughs> Okay. No, I'm. I, I love it that you're this excited about the film. Um, yeah, the cops were inept in this movie. Uh, they 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 were just inept. Like there were sometimes you could make the argument that I can understand where they're coming from, but there are other times where it's just like this woman. Sure, maybe she made like a call when she was scared because she heard someone in her house, and it turns out that it was the person that lives with her. Fine, but she honestly didn't know. She no, he normally doesn't come in that way, and whatever. But she has a picture of someone that took a picture of her while she was sleeping. Like, really? Is the cop's first thing going to be, oh, you could have taken that yourself? Okay. No, that's not. Do, so <laughs> do something else with your life. <laughs> like, you don't need to be a cop. But, um, so as far as the mystery aspect, which is the aspect I found the most in intriguing for me, like, it's, that, it's not just the mystery of what's happening to her and what's happening across the street. It's also the mystery of like what happened to our family, which I don't think that one's as big. I think that I think that you can start to really figure out early. You can figure out that her family is dead before the reveal happens in the movie. It's um it starts to become pretty apparent. Um I do like how they kind of drip feed you who her family is, like through, you know, first you get some pictures on the refrigerator and you can draw the conclusion thing that surprised me was um, the the cast that they got in this movie because I, I started off I'm seeing Amy Adams so great all right cool I know she's in the movie I didn't expect to see Julianne Moore so when she showed up that was kind of crazy and then I saw Gary Oldman and I was surprised again like Gary Oldman is in this movie and then Anthony Mackie holy wow and the guy that played her tenant I don't remember his name but he played um, John Walker in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is something else that Anthony Mackie is in. So it was kind of funny to see both of these um, actors in the same movie after watching like that television show. 
but you have the mystery of like what happened to her family you see like this they keep going to like the image of like the spinning snow and everything else like that which you know will come to play later when you actually see that flashback um when the the kid comes across the street and he sneezes on her and he's like that's you know i smell like oh sorry it's the cat that's something else that's going to come back later it doesn't pay off as as well as it could have um, because you hear him sneeze at the end of the movie, and then right after you hear him sneeze, you see him. And so that one doesn't seem as good. But some of the other elements that they have in um, the movie that come back are good, like the woman crying at the bottom of the stairs um, and like things like that. So I liked those elements of the movie, and that's where I found the most enjoyment from it. Um, yeah, I honestly, for me, the enjoyment was just being able to see and pick out all the little details, like, well, that came from this movie and that came from that movie. I think that is probably one of the biggest, like, things for me is that it's not just Rare Window and, and that's, that's what you would be initially pointed at. And I thought actually that the murderer was going to be Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman's character, because then it would, that's how, that's how it would have been um, if they were going to copy Rare Window. So, right. that's why I thought, like, oh, it's going to be Gary Oldman. Like, my initial thought was, like, oh, that's what, like, they're just copying it. So, I already know who the murderer is. Because that's how it was, like, in Disturbia, too. Sorry, spoiler for Disturbia. But who cares about that movie? Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's who you think it's going to be. Um... And uh, it's funny you said Spiral because that, that's from Vertigo. And <laughs> even the music is like, I really like the music. I don't know how you felt about the music. It wasn't like um, super like uh, like memorable. But again, it was an homage to uh, Hitchcock and um, Bernard Herrmann in this case because it was, it was basically borrowed from Psycho. Um, it's not exactly the same, but it's that type of style and uh, with, you know, the string in instruments and the music sounds very similar to Psycho. So you could tell like, oh, that that is Psycho music, but it's just a little bit off. So I thought they did really well with the music, like making it their own and making it right for the movie. Um, and then... Uh, I also agree with you. The cast is, like, amazing. I was also like, oh, Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> I love Gary Oldman. So that's another plus. Um, I am interested to know uh, what you what you didn't like about the movie. Um, so there are two things. But I'll first start off by saying that the movie's director is Joe Wright. And Joe Wright has done one of, probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, maybe it's, like, in, like, my top ten. I have to think about it. But he did Hannah, um, which is an amazing movie to me. He also did, I think, what is it, Pride and Prejudice? Um, so, like, uh, Joe Wright is a very good and competent director and is capable of doing many different genres like Pride and Prejudice is very different than Hannah which is very different than this um but what I found myself and maybe this is because of like the mystery aspect since that was the thing that was drawing me in in the beginning by the end of the film I found myself walking away 
from the movie and being like and having this feeling of it's fine i didn't have this feeling of this movie's amazing this movie is like blows me away the feeling i had was the movie felt um safe it felt like it felt by the book and so that so for me there were certain things that kind of came across as a little more cookie cutter and at the end of the day while i'm like okay well the movie works because because of the fact that i was pulling out all these things that they were like dropping as hints throughout me watching it and i was like this is going to come back later this is going to come back later and without you know missing a beat all those things come back it felt standard and while i'm like it's not a bad movie i would never say that it i had the feeling i had was that it's not a great movie and the um, so that's just personal feelings but story-wise the thing that bothered me in the film that kind of like stretches its own logic is when katie who's julianne moore's character comes in who we think is jane russell um she hasn't been seen before she hasn't been seen around the house she hasn't been viewed or anything um and our main character is an agoraphor agoraphobic and she watches people from her windows and that's how she has all the information about people but she has no information about this woman that's in her house and so it doesn't make sense that her first thought is to call her jane russell because she doesn't have any information to suggest that it would be Jane Russell because she hasn't seen her before in the context of the film. But when she says it at the time, you as the audience are led to believe that because she spies on people, she's seen this woman before, and that's why she knows that it's Jane Russell. But she hasn't seen this woman before, as you find out later. So that part of the movie where she calls out her name out loud and says, oh, you're Jane Russell, doesn't really make sense in the context of the the story that they have given you up until that point and the entire mystery hinges on her making that mistake and that bothered me um but that's the only thing about the story that bothered me and then the other stuff was just the fact that it felt normal okay that's a good catch i feel like i had to watch it a third time to see um if i could figure out how you're wrong about the no I'm just kidding. Um, but no, like yeah, I, I guess I would I could agree that the movie is like only okay. It's not like it's not incredibly special. Um, but like I said earlier, I think the reason why I like it so much is because I'm a Hitchcock fan and I could like, you know, what do they call it? A love letter to Hitchcock and that's really what it is. Um so I think, like, you know, if, if, if someone is really well-studied with Hitchcock and just, like, knows, like, how Hitchcock does his films um, or, like, the themes in his films, that's really what it is. It's it's just, like, almost like a, a movie for the crowd, the, the fans. It's a fan film. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that, like, with that knowledge... I can perfectly understand how you or somebody that has that knowledge would appreciate this film even more than someone else because you can see the elements that people are like leaning into here and here and like really paying respect to this great filmmaker. Um, I'm not as familiar 
with um, Hitchcock's work. Like I have a passing familiarity, which is why I can recognize that there are ties to Rear Window, but these other kind of more intricate and detailed ties, I wouldn't get. And therefore the movie wouldn't be as fun for me to go through it as it will as it would be for somebody that can even pick apart the color theory and how that is it's in itself <laughs> paying homage paying homage to um to, to hitchcock so it sounds like <laughs> you just were able to like have a much more fun time just experiencing the movie um than i think the average moviegoer would be able to I did. Yeah, I was watching it with my boyfriend, and, like, when she was, like, here, have some brandy, it was like, oh, my God, that's a Hitchcock thing. Oh, my God, oh, my God, this is so awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Over brandy. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I'm just going to – I'm going to try not to talk too, too much about the color theory, but, um, but I do want to point some stuff out. It might be a little bit more fun for everyone to go back and watch this movie again, or if you haven't seen it, um, it's something that you can like kind of pay a little bit more attention to, because um, I do think they did a fairly good job with the colors. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but it was quite a colorful film. If you had seen Vertigo before, it's also a very colorful film for um, a color a colored film. Um, it wasn't. Hitchcock's first colored film, but it was his first film where he um, decided to use color heavily to support the story. So in this case, I feel like they kind of copied Vertigo's color um, symbolism, um, not exactly to the T. I, I, while I was watching it through the second time, I definitely paid more attention to it. Actually, I didn't notice it until the second time I watched it, where um, Ethan, the son, comes, um, the first time we see him, he's wearing green, and he, it's, it's not like a, it's not a really noticeable flashy green, it's more of like a, a muted green, but it's green, and um, when there's, I mean, if you just watch it back, you'll see that, like, usually there's something green around him. Like, he's either wearing green or, like, the walls behind him are green or, like, the tones are just green. And when um, when Amy Adams is talking to him, she's standing next to a green vase or, like, a, it's a green lamp. And it's, like, very emerald green when she's talking to him. So the color green in Vertigo was a symbol of, like, ghostliness, um and that's it's hard it's hard to like go into it without like having to explain the whole plot of vertigo but (laughs) what you could say is that it's like the color that represents deception red is obsession blue is reality so there's a lot of those three colors in this film um and and any time that amy adams character is being really obsessive she puts on like her red pink robe and then it becomes a red robe and like the building across the street is brick red. Um, her curtains are red. Um, whenever she is in her bedroom and she's talking to her family, her daughter and her husband, the room is all like pinkish red. So there's that. Um, obsession with like spying on other people and um, trying to solve the mystery and uh, of what happened to Julianne Moore 
Um, and then there's the the blue when she's talking to her psychiatrist. The whole room is blue. The curtains are blue. She's wearing blue when she is sane. And then once she starts getting obsessive again, she puts that robe on. So if you 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 could pick that up if you know to look for it. But if, now you could go back and watch it, and then you'll be like, oh, I can see it now. That's cool. Yeah. A lot of detail. A lot of attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't pick up on any of the color stuff. Um, I wasn't I probably I I wasn't really looking for it, but yeah, and I wouldn't even know. I haven't studied Hitchcock like that, so I wouldn't know like what the different things represent. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just paying attention to like moments where the tenant would walk up to the the roof and say, "Hey, your skylight, your skylight's a little weak. You need to get that changed. That's dangerous." Because right, and then right after he said that, I literally said out loud, "Ah, the fi- the villain at the end of the movie is gonna die from that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's the stuff that I was picking up on. <laughs> I definitely feel like they put in more time and effort into crafting it to pay homage to Hitchcock and his um his three um golden age films which is Psycho, Rear Window and Vertigo. So like if you had seen any of those three and then you watch this movie, you might pick up on some of these little details or like maybe you just need to study a lot like I do or like I did. But um but yeah, but the color theory definitely is something that like, you know, everyone can, when you watch it or go back and watch it again, it'll be fun to just be like, oh yeah. Like the the fact, the very fact that Ethan comes in the first time you see him, he's wearing green and uh, even the second time he's wearing green, I was like, I should have known that he would be the murderer be- just simply because he's wearing green. It's like, it's the movie's way of telling you at the beginning. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I probably ruined Vertigo for everyone if you haven't seen it yet. But, like, also that was, like, what, over 50 years ago? (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. It's it's fine. And I don't think, I feel like people probably won't even remember. Um, No, so I I guess my next question for you then is that were there other little Hitchcock things that you, you picked up on that outside of, like, color, like, maybe through, I think you mentioned some things about, like, music and sound, but... What about through just characters or anything like that? Was there anything else that was kind of here that you think paid homage to Hitchcock? Um, not, not really. Uh, there were, like, I, I basically mentioned, like, all the, the big points. I'm sure if I go back and look at it again, I'll probably, like, pick up on some more stuff. Um, like, it wasn't even until you, you just when you were talking earlier and you mentioned that um the there were like some shots of like um spinning and i was like oh yeah spirals that's totally a vertigo thing um so you know i think it's just going to be one of those things where if you if you keep watching it back or like or if i keep watching it back i'll pick up on more stuff (laughs) yeah no um yeah i think that the other thing um about this movie, so we talked about the cast briefly, is that the movie is very well acted. Like, Amy Adams is amazing. She does a really good job in her role. I, I don't, I think that the detectives kind of come across a little weak to me sometimes, um, but 
It's it's little. It's a little thing. But now you um, know it's intentional. I think in general. You saw up. But now you know that it's intentional. Right, because he wants them to be. It's it's a homage to them, the police being inept. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, what like a really cool moment for Gary Oldman. Like Gary Oldman is brilliant. Um, but the reason I knew Gary Oldman wasn't the killer was from when he came into her house and was saying, stay away from my son. And he was getting up in her face. He get, and he's like angry and he's in her face. And you're like, oh my God, this guy is scary. He's dangerous. And then he ends that by saying, please. (laughs) And then he leaves. So the last word that he utters in this command of her to leave them alone is a plea. And in that moment I was like, oh, he's not the killer. He's not. He there's something else going on. There's something else going on and he's trying to protect somebody um or something or you know, he 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 does not ha- he does not based on this conversation, he does not have it in him to kill somebody. So, and then at that point I was like maybe it's the son, but there's also a part of me that was even wondering if Julianne Moore's character was even dead because or if she I quickly figured real. out that she wasn't so what? Or if she was even real. Yeah, there's that too. Um, I, I I think I assumed she was real, but I assumed that she was a liar. Um, I assumed that she was like, she wasn't who she said she was. And I was thinking that maybe she was a mistress because there's other little points in the story that are like, also serve as hints. You see her come out of the house and then walk away. And you're like, that feels weird for somebody that lives there. So you must not live there. Um, so I thought she was, I was actually thinking she was a mistress. So the movie did catch me off guard. I didn't realize that she was going to be the birth mother of the kid. But when I thought back on it, I was like, of course she was. Because based on how she was talking about her son, that was and that was meant to be there as a way to show you that she really does love her son. Um, she knows what she's talking about. She's talking, she's not making it up. She's talking to somebody else that has a kid about what it's like to have a kid and they both understand each other. So she's not faking that. Um, and that's just, and that's one of the, like some like nuanced things in the acting that really comes across. I mean, story-wise, I guess you could write away, you could write a something in there that says like, oh, she's just a really good actor. She's a really good liar. But um, as far as the acting goes, like it supports the narrative. It supports the story. And that's, something that I really appreciated coming from everybody. I think for the part, though, when uh, when we see Julianne Moore leaving the house across the street, um, <clears throat> I, I feel like, to me, it was like they got into an argument or they got into a fight and she just had to get out of the house. <clears throat> That's how I perceived it. So at that point, I didn't think yet that she wasn't Jane. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, and that's fair. I think that's what you're you're intended to think. For whatever reason, that just it felt weird to me. So I kept that in the back of my mind when like going through the rest of the story. But you know, I had fun. I had fun like trying to figure out the mystery. I like mystery stories. I like stories that get drip feed you different bits of information and try to see if you can put it together before you get to the end of the film. Like that's a that's a good time for me. Um, so I did have fun. Uh, watching this movie it's just that when it by the time the curtain you know rolled like there were the 
curtain of credits. <laughs> By the time the credits rolled, um, I was I just found myself being like, it's fine. It's a fine movie. Um, but yeah, I didn't think that there was anything special for me personally. I had a blast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that's just me. Uh, I I definitely would encourage everyone to watch at least Rare Window and Vertigo before watching this if you can or want to. But um, I feel like it would make uh, this movie feel better than if you had gone into it without any background at all. Yes, I definitely think that. I think I can agree with that as well. Um, but yeah, I've kind of gone through most of the things that I wanted to say. Is there any, is there anything else from the Hitchcock master that you want to leave us with? You, you have the floor. We still have some time if you want to, there's something else that you're just itching to get off your chest about this film. Um, no, I'm good. I said everything I wrote down. <laughs> I think I, sw- I talked too fast earlier. <laughs> you, you had a lot to say. I got right so. straight. I, I just went straight through it. I'm like, this is everything. And we didn't even have a discussion about it. I just told you what, what, what was what, and that was it. <laughs> Which is fine. Cause I wouldn't have been able to tell you what I would even have thought like the colors meant. Cause I wasn't looking, I wasn't looking there, but I will say that listening to you talk about it, it does make me want to rewatch the movie to see if I can catch some of these colors, but I think I would rather watch the movie after watching uh, Rear Window or any of those other films um, for a second time so that it's more fresh in my mind before going into this film so that I can recognize some of the um, things that you're talking about that carry over or that they're trying to like reference or pay homage to. Mm-hmm. You so. can definitely watch The Lady Vanishes. I think there's a lot of... Um stuff borrowed from that movie as well okay that one's old. very cool <laughs> another old one which like he i'm guessing he did that before vertigo and all the rest of them yeah that was a black and okay. white one gotcha gotcha all right cool but yeah um that's what we thought about the woman in the window like what did you guys think about it did you see it did 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 um did you enjoy it do you think it's a it's worthy of its spot as number one on netflix um, were you able to catch all of like the Hitchcock references that uh, Cheryl was able to catch? Regardless, whatever you thought, comment below. Let us know. And while you're down there, if you give us a like, share, subscribe. Even if you don't, though, I have been Chris, and this has been Cheryl, and we will see you all next time.